EMZT Radio is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio download and a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash EMZT. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to another episode of EMZT Radio. I am Bane Hellborn on my own. Um... <laughs> uh, MJ is busy moving into his new place of residence. Uh, my sister Scorpio girl is not feeling well. Little Boom Doom has been subject to rashy type hives for some reason now at school. And uh, so there's not going to be a Sinister Sisters or um, a Minis because he's too scared. He's worried about all these little red bumps he's getting. So he's going to the doctor soon. So we'll, we'll find out what it could possibly be. And Scorpio girl caught some cold bug that was going around work and we all survived Thanksgiving. And I think we're just thankful for what we have. You know, we have a home and uh, we have each other and we're close to our, our parents. And yeah, I'm just thankful to still be here. <laughs> Uh, Christmas holidays are coming up and the one Christmas movie I'm going to watch is Anna and the Zombie Apocalypse. It's a musical horror comedy movie. <laughs> Little Boom Doom and I, we've made an appointment with each other to go and watch this on Christmas Day, which I believe oh, Christmas is on a Tuesday. Ha ha ha. I'm sure he'll be off school for uh, Christmas break. So, yeah, we're going to go watch that. So I'm finally watching the Haunting of Hill House series on Netflix, which is fucking scary as hell. I'm really, really into this. So its first season has like 10 or 11 episodes. And it's I don't know how much it's based on the book. Number one, I haven't read the book written by Shirley Jackson. So I'm going to have to download the book and read it to see how close they got to it. But I noticed that the names of the characters in the family that they're featuring are all like in the the movie with Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Those all those character names in that movie are in this series. And it's kind of interesting that they're all names of family members of one family, which are the Cranes. And the house was originally built by the Hill family that we find out. And uh, they do flashbacks of when these uh, family members were children and they experienced paranormal activity when they were there. So it's uh, Henry Thomas, Carla Gugino as the parents back in the 80s when they lived at Hill House yeah, watch it. Watch it. You will like it. If you are a horror buff and you like you like paranormal type activity, but this is on a super scary factor. Yeah, it's good. You'll like it. You'll like it a lot. And uh, there is going to be like a December 14th episode of Sabrina. We're still waiting to see if there's going to be a season two. I did do a news report about uh, the lawsuit. So stay tuned for that. So, I've got nothing else I can talk about at the moment, <laughs> so we're, I'm just going to put some music on. This is EMZT Radio. 
This thing, this machine, it crawled out of the ground, started torturing me. Everything. It's killing everybody. What is it? Is it terrorists? This, this came from someplace else. What do you mean, like Europe? No, Robbie, not like Europe! Chronicity, a state of prolonged duration, recurrent, habitual, chronic. A new miniseries on chronic pain and illness by your friends Matt and Phil from Semi-Intellectual Musings. We go beyond medical diagnosis to explore the often forgotten political, social, and personal sides. You'll hear stories from extraordinary people overcoming extraordinary challenges. Authors, entrepreneurs, volunteers, coaches, and caregivers. They are so much more than their diagnoses, yet each have found ways to persevere. You'll also hear some familiar voices from the indie podcast community. Showing that art, creativity, and passion are possible while living in chronicity. These stories and more starting April 1st at thesim.podbean.com. Hey everyone, this is Beaumont Bob from Bowling with Bobcat. You can listen to me live every Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern at sfdradio.com, where I'm bringing you the best of the worst in cheap booze, talking bum wine, beers, 40s, malt liquor, and more. Always featuring the latest and greatest in the world of drinking and entertainment, along with some special guests. So come on down and take a ride with Bumwine Bob. If you can't be there live, you can always listen in the archives at bumwinebob.com. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy. Cheers. I'm sorry. After careful consideration, I must respectfully decline. I can't stand retirement. Come on, just let me win one Super Bowl. In exchange for eternal damnation of your soul? You're much too nice a guy for me to want to do that to you, Mr. Marino. You did it for Namath. Yeah, but Joe was coming here anyways. This sucks. I'll just go to the Super Bowl as an announcer, and I'll win myself an Emmy. That's the spirit. You're a good devil, Dad. And I also happen to be a Jets fan. Hi, this is Dr. Death and Mr. Vile, and you are listening to EMZT Radio. From several websites that have come out within the last week, the lawsuit from the Satanic Temple against Warner Brothers and Netflix over The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina have been amicably settled. The unique elements of the Satanic Temple's Baphomet with children's statue have been acknowledged in the credits of episodes which have already been filmed. The remaining terms of the settlement are subject to a confidentiality agreement. Okay, there's. it's unclear on how much the Satanic Temple was trying to sue Warner Brothers and Netflix one site said $50 million, and another site said $150 million, which was covering the lawsuit, the lawyer's fees, and just the misappropriation of copyright, which, okay, I agree. Warner Brothers, Netflix, they did not get permission to use the Baphomet statue, okay? Number one, I agree with that. They got called out on that. But the other part is the Satanic Temple just needs to give up on being offended of the Baphomet statue being associated with evil satanic worship, okay? It's just the stigma is stuck. They're not really going to get rid of it, even though their religion is not about worshiping Satan in an evil nature. And they don't really worship Satan. It's more about being a kinder person. And uh, in their way, their religion is all about being a better Christian than the Christians. <laughs> so, um, but they're still always going to have a bug up their ass about being misrepresented in horror movies about 
their religion because it's been so long associated with dark and evil nature. But uh, so we we don't know how much, how many millions they settled for because that's confidential. We're hoping this lawsuit hasn't deterred the continuation of the series, which it's a very, very good series. I am hooked on it. I love it. It is a very fresh idea of Sabrina. Well, it's meant to be more towards the comic where it's a little darker and not so cute. So uh, the Church of Satan is where is like the main branch for the satanic religion. And the satanic temple is a separate religious group. So the Church of Satan really likes the show. And they don't see anything wrong with using the Baphomet statue. So the Satanic Church, they have legal rights to the Baphomet sigil. And they stated that the Satanic Temple has legal rights to the Baphomet statue. So, I mean, I understand that they called Warner Brothers and Netflix out on misappropriation of copyright. Fine. But give it up. You're never going to get rid of the stigma that Satan... The Baphomet statue is associated with evil. Just, it's not going to happen. You're, you're not going to get rid of it. And this little temper tantrum, <laughs> as I call it, kind of proves it. Now that the dust has settled, let's hope that Sabrina will not be pulled and it can continue on with season two. There is going to be a winter solstice episode on December 14th on Netflix. Go watch it. I will. And cross your fingers that Sabrina will not be taken off of Netflix. And you are listening to EMZT Radio. Hail to the king, baby. Are you one of the frightened? Do you have trouble sleeping at night? Do you find yourself tossing restlessly in bed? I wonder why. Perhaps you saw something during the waking day that troubled you. What was it? That strange man on the bus, or, or the curious manner of that woman in the drugstore. Or maybe your story is like the bizarre incident of the life of John LeGrew. John LeGrew was a bachelor, but not by choice. For twelve long years since the war, he'd supported his ailing mother and denied his own happiness. You see, his anemic salary at the watch factory had not permitted any thoughts of increasing the LeGrew household. But John had had something out of life. In 1944 in France, during the war, he had met Denise Franson, the wonderful little French girl who had been the only love of John's shallow life. But a bombardment of her little village and the silence that followed had left John with only one conclusion. Denise was dead. Well, the war ended and he had returned to America and his mother and the watch factory. And the dull years had ticked away with the clocks. But one day, everything changed. John came home after a day at the factory and his mother said that a girl named Denise had called and wanted to talk to him. John couldn't believe his ears. There must be some mistake. Denise was dead. She had to be. But no. During dinner... The telephone in the hallway rang again. John rushed to answer it. 
It was impossible, it was unbelievable. But the sweet voice on the other end of the line was the same broken English of Denis François. And a dozen questions spilled from his heart. Where was she? How had she been? Why had she waited all these years to get in touch with him? Did she still love him? But oddly, Denise couldn't say much. Her voice seemed faint and shaky. But she gave out a telephone number. Butterfield 87777. And insisted that John should call her at that number at midnight. All the rest of the evening, John was in a fever of impatience. The tiny clock in the bureau mocked him as the hour of minute hands slowly crawled round to the appointed hour. Finally, it was midnight, and John lifted the phone from the hook and dialed the number. A male voice asked who was calling. Surprised, John wanted to know if he had the right number. Yes, it was Butterfield 87777. Whom did he want to speak to? John asked for Denise Franson. Voice seemed puzzled. I'm sorry, I don't seem to recognize the name. John's voice trembled. I'm sorry, he said, but this number was given to me to call at midnight and... The man's voice interrupted him, saying, Oh, of course, I beg your pardon. Denise Frasson? Yes, certainly, I remember now. The body was delivered for embalming yesterday morning. Looks like an automobile accident, and yet... Well, in the midst of life, we are in death. John Legrue hung up and sat in his chair, staring at the wall for a long, long time. And to this day, he still sits staring at a wall. And hears a voice, a soft, sweet, trembling voice asking him to call and call and call. Well, I leave you. This is Woodlawn. What? Oh, I thought you knew. The Woodlawn Cemetery is my destination. Uh, you see, I live here. Goodbye for a while, and and do call me when you get a chance.
got away. One you don't fuck with. The show that puts the story back into history. History is all about discovering the why. And I think that in that process, it's important to never take the story out of history. Making history come alive, one episode at a time. But this is a podcast on the American Revolution for this series and uh, all about a free country, so do whatever the hell you want. Visit themondayamerican.com to get more. Dive into the Monday American. Don't worry, we'll be gentle. You love midnight movies, don't you? <laughs> but can you handle midnight movies 24 hours a day? Your death will be indescribable. Find out on Black Flag TV. The first viral television on the web. Black Flag TV is entirely dedicated to haunting horror, science fiction, and cult movies. Broadcasting live, 24 hours a day, obscure independent movies and classic horror. Make Black Flag TV your sanctuary for the horror genre. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Visit us now. Blackflag.tv Hey, Insaniacs. This is V from Creeping Beauty, and you are listening to EMZT Radio. I was watching a video the other day of one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Nightmind, and he, he brought up a good video he had talking about the YouTube channels that had helped him and, you know, inspire him and what he does in his free time when he's not doing that. And I was thinking about that the other day, too. And what podcasts do I listen to? Because I've been listening to podcasts even before I started podcasting four years ago. And the question now is, what podcasts do I listen to when I'm trying to get away from horror? Because there, there are times where I'm just done with horror for a little bit and I want to break. I don't want to laugh or I'm having a really crappy day and I just, you know, I just want a good laugh or something. Yeah, and I do actually have uh, podcasts that I listen to uh, like that. And first and foremost, you've probably seen me interact with them like all the time on Twitter and they're just the most awesome people in the face of the planet. Of course, I'm talking about Pennant's RPG because I love my D&D podcasts. Uh, you know, I, I could sit here all day and just do a podcast just on D&D podcasts. But uh, the truth of the matter is I love those guys. They, they make me laugh and <laughs> their their campaigns always have some uh, some great, great adventures. And one of my favorite things they did, and especially this, if you go back and listen to the, the latest one, uh, starting off the thing with uh, who are you, what's your character, and what's your favorite cheese? Just something you know, unexpected usually happens in that podcast. And I, I love doing it. I love listening to them. They, they really do you know, brighten my morning, especially at work. Uh, the other one that I love... The second one has been, they both have been awesome to both Bane and I, especially on Twitter, helping us do the Potter and Family thing. Uh, my God, how many of you podcasters, fellow podcasters, even been on their show? Uh, of course, I'm talking about the unwritable rant, you know, if, if especially Juliet's stories make me feel a little bit better about my life sometimes. <laughs> And to be honest with you, I you know, I 
pop it in every once in a while and I listen to one of their misadventures uh, and it's just great and I love the stories love the the bourbon drinking obviously she's she's just a really good person and and I'm sure that if you're a podcaster you have ran into her on Twitter or you know David on Twitter and just had a ball with them they are two of the greatest people on the face of the planet another one I wanted to highlight was the Cult 45 podcast. Holy God. <laughs> I love my movie reviews, but these guys take it to a whole nother level. I, seriously, you guys are, are the greatest, and, and you know when you got hit with the hurricane, believe me, I'm a fellow hurricane-targeted person, and you know I was more than happy to you know help out in any, any way I could give you guys some money because you guys really get me through some crappy days and especially with with your reviews because they're just funny and sometimes i'll sit down and watch some of the movies that they've reviewed and i'm just sitting there starting to think the same things they do it's it's just great you guys really really need to check them out there's a ton ton of them i could i could go through yeah listen to some of the popular ones i really do but those three in particular I think have helped me really just, you know, shape my audience, shape my the way I want to be and shape my audience and and just telling me that it's it's really okay just to, you know, be myself. I don't have to deal with, you know, trying to be MJ. I there is a difference between Matt and MJ. And MJ is a a character just really for the radio. And I am not him when I leave. I could go on and on and on. Alternative Facts Chicago is another one that I just love. I don't agree uh, sometimes with them, you know, politically. We have our we have our political differences. There's a lot of podcasts that I listen to that I have political differences on. And I'm talking about both right-wing and left-wing uh, political ones. Hell, I listen to Reasons podcasts, and I don't agree with them a hundred percent of the time. And and you know everything points to I should, but I don't. And uh, I do, like I said, I do like my political podcasts every once in a while. Uh, definitely check out Alternative Facts Chicago. The podcast is awesome. Crazy Town guys, you guys are amazing and hilarious, and I love you guys to death. Uh, <laughs> I would love to do collaborations with you eventually. Uh, there's a lot of podcasters I love to do collaborations with. You know, one of these days I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell you about the horror podcasts I listen to because I listen to a lot. I love the true crime podcasts. You guys, seriously, there's too many to mention in in this one segment of you know just how many. And yeah, like I said, I do listen to some of the big big time podcasts. I do listen to Sword and Scale, and I do listen to you know a couple of other ones that are great but i love there are just so many podcasts out there that i love and you know there are so many of you guys out there that i want to thank in in times when i was ready to literally quit uh a couple of you even told me to keep going and i love you guys for that and if i didn't mention you on the podcast please don't take offense they're literally I could sit here for 30 45 minutes rambling on the podcasts I listen to 
between podcasts and YouTube, that's pretty much all I do anymore as far as, you know, outside entertainment. I do listen to some music, obviously. But here I am rambling on and rambling on. Just thank you, you know, to those podcasters. And some of you I actually do consider friends. And it's kind of therapeutic to do a segment like this, especially a, a long segment alone, where I could just sit here and just prattle on and say thank you. And so to you guys that have been reached out to me, the Potter and family, reached out to Bane and Potter and family, you know, thank you. That's all I can say. Just thank you. You you guys are awesome and you're rock stars. So uh, keep up the good work, guys. We love you. Please keep going, doing what you're doing, and listen to those podcasts, people. Definitely listen to them. Anyways, um, let's go back to some music, shall we? Here on EMZT Radio.
stick all the bits of brain in a plastic bag, Barry. We'll need them for analysis. No bloody way, mate. You can come down here and do that yourself. You look afraid. I would be afraid. For what? This is a dream. I wouldn't want to wake up from this dream. But you must. Keep calm and don't go swimming. Don't have sex. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't go out. Don't split up. Don't run from the killer. If you trip, get up and run. And above all, turn on the stupid light before entering any room. Unless you do want to die. Just some friendly tips to save your life in a horror movie. From your friends at EMZT Radio. The Horror Gaming Report brought to you by ThatTechShop.com. Head over right now to ThatTechShop.com and type in the code EMZT at checkout for 20% off of all items for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox. Now it's time for the Horror Gaming Report from PCGamer.com, the best horror games on PC. Looking for spooks? Whether you're into jump scares, interactive fiction, thematically interesting stories, or just large men running after you with a chainsaw, we filled this list with a wide variety of games that hopefully freak you the hell out. Resident Evil 7. What starts as a bold, scary reboot certainly gets closer to the more recent action-oriented entries in its later chapters, but exploring the Baker family's grimy plantation in Resident Evil 7 is a grisly treat. The detail of this setting is amazing, and in the first half of the game, there's such a sense of the unknown that you're cautiously poking around every corner and treating bullets like they're gold. Resi 7's videotapes, which you have play out of context besides shedding more light on the Baker family and the story, offer the game's best and most experimental moments. Resi 7 is close to the original intent of Resi, but we kept the HD version of the original on this list too because they're both fantastic in their own way. Inside, an unrelenting bleak platformer that puts you through a gauntlet of hellish imagery. Creepy mermaids, security robots, people hunting you down, nasty weather, and more that we don't spoil here. Inside's vision of a cruel dystopian world that's out to kill you at all times is extraordinary, even if the moment-to-moment platforming is pretty familiar and can be frustrating. You're mainly playing it to experience the setting, really. Stories Untold In this anthology game, you operate a computer within the game, first playing an old horror text adventure game set in a spooky house, and later performing similar interactions in other locations, including a lab and a station in freezing conditions. How these episodes link together is the game's overarching mystery, but it's the way the surrounding environment changes with the story beats the shit out of you up here. Stories Untold is co-developed by Alien Isolation UI mastermind John McKellen, and a lot of that DNA is present here. Plus, it'll only take you a few hours to beat, and it's very reasonable $10 on Steam. Outlast 2. As a trial-and-error stealth game, Outlast 2 might not be for everyone, but thematically, it's among the more interesting games on this list. Playing as a journalist searching for a missing woman in Arizona Your wife is then kidnapped early on by a deranged cult, the origins of which are told through snippets of letters during the game. 
You navigate dark environments using the night vision mode of your camera. And it's just scary as hell with a whole village wanting you dead and some of the most grueling imagery ever put into a game. System Shock 2. Before Bioshock was Bioshock, it was System Shock, an altogether freakier combination of RPG and FPS, and one that, in its second and best iteration, told the story of a rogue AI on a haunted spaceship, that rogue AI being the incomparably uppercase Shoden. The murderous artificial consciousness paved the way for Gyados, of course, but it's the combination of meaningful character advancement, rewarding exploration, horrifying enemies, and at the time, the novel use of audio diaries that makes System Shock 2 such a memorable horror game. It was essentially Dos X on a spaceship. If you've ever played Dos X or been on a spaceship, you can imagine how delectable that sounds. I'm scared. Don't be put off by I'm scared's rather tedious, a pixelated nightmare tagline. It's easily one of the most unsettling games available today. But it's also a tough one to pitch because much of its terror lies in the surprises that shouldn't be ruined by a meager 150 word long recommendation. Know that it borrows from 90s horror games via its aesthetic and fourth wall breaking, file bothering makeup and that it consistently strives to surprise and keep players guessing. Understand that it'll play with your emotions and drop you into a confused and confusing world while incessantly goading you till its final breath. Don't expect jump scares, but do expect to be scared enough to jump from your chair. The 2012 Game Jolt version of I'm Scared is free, while the full extended version is cheap as chips over on Steam. If you think we're all grandstanding here, please be our guest and give it a try. We'll be hiding behind the couch. Thumper. A rhythm action nightmare in which you play a silver beetle speeding down a track into the mouth of a huge demented boss head. Death comes quickly. Miss a couple of turns and you're dashed into a million glittering pieces against the course's metal banks. Miss a beat in the gaze of the ring-shaped guard robots and they'll hurtle towards you, lasers blazing. All the while, the ambient soundtrack pulses uneasily and the rhythms become faster and more erratic. The effect is one of tense, compressed dread. Probably best to play Thumper in short bursts only. Silent Hill 2 We can all agree that Silent Hill 2 is the best in the series, and although Konami have never made much of an effort with the PC versions, if you factor in mods and texture resolution tweaks, this is probably the best way to play it these days, even if prices for the extremely rare retail copies can be pretty extortionate. It was the first game to really push the idea of horror narratives as subjective, fluid, and untrustworthy things, with a story that invites interpretation and a semi-sentient city that warps and shifts itself to fit the damaged psyches of its inhabitants. The confusing cult nonsense of the first and third games was pushed to the back burner for the more personal story of a psychologically damaged widower battling his way through a foggy purgatory populated by zombie things, dog things, and whatever the hell Pyramid Head was. Silvio. Whereas the likes of Silent Hill and Fatal Frame rely on radios to alert players to otherworldly adversaries, Silvio uses sound, EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, and audio manipulation at its central ideas. 
Not only that, the game builds its entire gorgeously creepy world around this principal theme as players strive to uncover its backstories, bizarre plot twists, and insights into its unsettling unknown, all of which is backed up by stellar voice acting. Generic first-person horror this ain't, and while it does occasionally force tedious combat set pieces upon players, it thrives in its quirky, idiosyncratic moments that are filled with atmosphere and character and dread. Silvio is a thinking game and is unique within the horror genre. Anchorhead. Horror games owe a significant debt to H.P. Lovecraft, and not just because he's long dead and his work is out of copyright. Plenty of games, too many really, have included references to his brand of cosmic horror, but Anchorhead is more inspired than most. Drawing from several of his novels and stories to tell the tale of the married couple who have inherited the old mansion in a creepy New England town. The sedate exploration of the game's opening segments eventually give way to tense, turn-limited puzzles as you struggle to stop an ancient, possibly world-ending ritual from being completed. No pressure, then. It's free, and you can play it in your browser. Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Amnesia, The Dark Descent casts you as Daniel, an amnesiac who wakes up in a mostly deserted castle that must be explored in search of escape frictional draw on all of their experiences, creating atmospheric exploratory horror in the Penumbra series to fill Amnesia's fortress with an oppressive and lingering sense of foreboding. Expect distant echoing noises, strange rumblings behind the walls, and to start seeing half-formed dark figures in the ambiguous candlelight. There's a monster, too, stalking you through the corridors. The perennial rule of horror creatures, that they're less scary once you've seen and understood them. Certainly applies here, but Dark Descent is still a must-play horror game. Dark Souls. You won't find scripted jump scares here. Dark Souls is a lonely, grueling struggle through a world on the verge of being extinguished. Lordran is a sad and horrifying place to be. You catch glimpses of the gods' old glory, but mostly you're confronting the aftermath of their terrible mistakes— whether it's the nightmare of the bed of chaos or the gross parasite eggs of demon runes. The PC port is poor, but most of its visual shortcomings have been solved by the modding community. Start with the DS fix and pick and choose from the Dark Souls nexus to get the game into shape. Dead Space Dead Space's lanky alien monsters are noteworthy not just for their ability to fit into tiny closets and jump out at passing protagonists, but for the satisfying fragility of their narrow, bony limbs. Dead Space's high concept back in the first game was that you're a simple engineer tending to a broken ship rather than a meaty space marine with miniguns coming out of his chest. Better still, the cutting and cleaving tools you engineer is so practiced with ended up being more rewarding than the traditional machine guns and shotguns of your typical FPS. Worryingly, foes react differently when you snip off certain limbs. A headshot may only make them matter. Oh, and there's a batty plot about an alien obelisk that sends people insane, a space cult, and other nonsense. Don't worry about that too much. The room-to-room stalking is super tense in spite of the flimsy story. Dead Space, classic piece of linear horror design that still holds up. Stalker, Call of Pripyat. Poor Pripyat just can't catch a break. In real life, it's been abandoned since the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. In Stalker, it also suffers the indignity of corrupted anomalies and invisible monsters. 
the entire series has focused on a harsh and desperate struggle for survival. You may be seeking valuable anomalies and treasure, but first you'll need to secure the basics, food, bandages, and weapons. Occasionally, you'll enjoy the companionship of fellow travelers around a campfire, but for the most part of your exploration of the open world will feel oppressive and lonely. Call of Pripyat is the best and most technically competent game in this series, but the original Shadow of Chernobyl is also worth a look. Don't miss The Stalker Lost Alpha Director's Cut. The Walking Dead. Is anyone still scared of zombies? Sure, they're creepy. There's something intrinsically unsettling about a vacant sack of human flesh. But when is the last time you felt visceral gut-wrenching fear in the presence of the horde? Blood, guts, realistic, subsurface glistening just don't do it anymore. Telltale's The Walking Dead forgoes the anatomy lesson for something more harrowing. The eponymous dead are extras in a blink human drama, a handy plot device to prompt the fall of society and watch what happens when people break. Those people, all well-written and interesting characters, make for more immediate, more believable horror story. Harvester. Phantasmagoria is the most infamous horror adventure of the interactive movie age, but that's only because almost nobody played the infinitely gorier, endlessly more disturbing Harvester. You wake up with amnesia in a messed-up 50s town where moms pop their baby's eyeballs, the paper boy packs a gun, the local teachers deal discipline with a baseball bat at Gein Memorial High School, and nobody bats an eye at the wasp woman down the street. All you know is that unless you join the mysterious lodge in the middle of town, you're not going to last the week. One that ends in an involuntary blood drive where the nurses use a scythe. Then things get really weird. It's a tough game to find legitimately. Pathologic. Pathologic is ugly and broken, it will sit on your hard drive like a gangrenous limb in need of amputation. If this sounds like a criticism, it isn't. Beyond the dirty, putrefied atmosphere, pathologic is also weird and theatrical, frequently breaking the fourth wall and questioning your role as the player. You choose one of three players, each with their own mysterious past. Afterwards, masked figures explain the rules of the game, that you have 12 days to cure the town of its disease, and that time will progress regardless of your actions. As it slips by, you have to pick your goals wisely, gathering resources and helping characters in the hope of slowing the inexorable decay. Whatever your choice, the town continues to rot and the game builds towards its horrific conclusion. It's being remade and expanded in Pathologic 2, but you can grab the HD edition of the original on Steam. Condemned Criminal Origins the Silent Hill series does creepy mannequins well, but nowhere near as well as Condemned Criminal Origins. The premise is quite simple. There's a serial killer on the loose, and you're a crime scene investigator, and people expect you to catch him. What's less straightforward is how quickly Agent Ethan Thomas takes to cold-blooded murder. Even considering the entire populace of Metro City appears to have it in for him, Nonetheless, while Condemned Criminal Origins offers frontman Thomas a range of firearms, he seems happy enough to do his crowd-controlling by way of melee weaponry, each of which has its own distinct feel in close-quarters combat. With that, Condemned rarely pulls any punches. It knows what it is, and is happy doing so from start to finish. It's now somehow ten years old, but it holds up well today. The Evil Within Reasons to be interested in this survival horror can be boiled down to just two words. 
Shinji Mikami, the designer responsible for Resident Evil, the good ones, God Hand, and Vanquish, the latter of which have criminally never punched and rocket-boosted their way to PC. The Evil Within is his grand return to horror. Expect to spend a fair bit of time hiding from chainsaw-wielding psychopaths, shooting and burning lumbering zombie-likes, and laying traps. And a follow-up is on the way, with multiple routes through levels and a story that's a little Silent Hill 2-esque. Soma. Frictional Games has already appeared in this roundup, but that's because time and time again they've proven that they know horror, first in the Penumbra games, and then again in Amnesia. Soma is their latest first-person scare-em-up, full of creepy experiments, creepier blinking computer things, and exchanges that question the nature of humanity and consciousness. There are disturbing monsters, too, though you can switch those off with a Steam Workshop mod if you want to. Metro 2033 Similar to Stalker, featured earlier in this list, Metro 2033 visits a post-apocalyptic nuclear war-ravaged world that's filled with mutated abominations, the vast majority of which seek to harm you. Here, the year is 2033, 20 years after Russia fell victim to nuclear war. Moscow's surface is now too dangerous to explore, therefore much of the game takes place within its interweaving subway system, and a hostile group named the Dark Ones stalk the player and their pals. Admittedly, Metro 2033, like Stalker, leans toward the action genre. However, while much of its scare factor is tied to running out of supplies and or ammo, there's something truly unsettling about its post-nuclear war premise that perhaps because this sort of scenario could happen, it becomes scarier? Maybe it's simply the fact the Dark Ones are bloody terrifying. Slender The slim-suited menace known as Slenderman started life as a forum meme and has quickly grown into a horror series. His shtick is simple, but terrifyingly enough. If you look directly at him, he devours you, but when you look away, he can move position instantly in an attempt to trick your gaze. You have to collect eight notes from a dark forest as the demon hunts you. The free downloadable version, the eight pages, has inspired a wealth of YouTube Let's Play videos. While it turns out it's almost as fun to watch Slender's potent psychological terror inflicted on others as it is to endure it yourself. Its popularity encouraged Blue Isle Studios and Parsec Productions to create a prettier version called Slender The Arrival, which is available for $10 on Steam and a bonus Oculus Rift support for VR terror. Alien Isolation the best Alien game ever by a long way. Alien Isolation stars the smartest, scariest enemy in any game. The Xenomorph's killer instinct is matched only by its curiosity. It learns more about the Sevastopol's nooks and crannies as it hunts you over the course of 12 hours, ripping doors off closets and peering under tables in search of prey. The motion tracker can help you to avoid its grasp, but it can sense the sound and even the gentle green light of its screen, making every glance a risk. When the game forces you into the vents, you can hear the creature in there with you. Isolation becomes one of the scariest games ever made. Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos should be a ripe playground for gaming scares. It rarely works out like that. The fiction often put to use in ways that fail to convey the sheer magnitude of its ancient and maddening horror. Despite the bugs and the clunkiness, Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth 
is a first-person survival horror that both stays true to its source and provides a multitude of ideas through its many and varied levels. You'll go from escaping an assassination to being hunted by cultists to fight off shagaths and deep ones. Fear. Fear is a better shooter than a horror game, but is worthy of note for referencing Asian cinema with its creepy villain, Alma, a little girl who can rip people apart with her thoughts. Fear also exploited the first-person perspective to create jump scares using ladders and narrow corridors to funnel the player's view through a roller coaster of linear frights. You catch glimpses of Alma in the corner of the room as light bulbs shatter. You'll suddenly see her feet at the top of the ladder as you descend, and there's gratuitous corridor of blood because The Shining deserves a nod every now and then. First-person horror techniques have been honed into a more concentrated horror experience by games like Outlast, but Fear does let you pin clone soldiers to walls with a stake gun and kick them in the face in slow motion as they scream, in a low-pitched slurry expression of terror. The psychological horror themes persisted in Fear's sequels, Fear 2, Project Origin, and Fear 3. Resident Evil HD Remaster The tank controls and pre-baked backgrounds hint at Resident Evil's age, but it's a survival horror classic nonetheless and received a handsome HD upgrade in early 2015. The famous Resi mansion drips with atmosphere and hides some top-drawer jump scares. When crows come crashing through a window, it makes every future trip down that corridor especially tough. The giant spiders are hideous, and the relentless threat of the mansion's zombie population grinds down your spirit and your health bar. Soon, you're limping picture of pain and regret. Searching for the octagonal object you need to get to the octagonal slot? What a nightmare. Lone Survivor A somewhat underappreciated 2D horror adventure, Lone Survivor is a foggy, cryptic tale that draws from classics like Silent Hill and Twin Peaks and delivers a constant hum of low-key dread and well-earned twist. The flickering scan lines and hard-to-read text are a little hard on the eyes, but it's worth adjusting to the engorged pixels for the payoff. And that is the Horror Gaming Report. You are listening to EMZT Radio. Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world.
In the dream, you are falling, lost in the listening distance, as dark locks in. <laughs> Nightfall. Good evening. Tonight, we'll be a little more literate than usual to give you the inside story of a manuscript they're just dying to get into print. The play from the pen of Maver Moore is called The Book of Hell. I don't care if it's the deepest book since Kafka, Andy. It still won't sell. I had hoped for more important considerations than sales. There isn't a publisher in the country who'd touch it. But Gordon... The book industry's broke, for God's sake. We're putting chicory in the office coffee. Surely it would sell a few thousand. Violent sells. Sex. Weird religion. Put them together and you clean up. Clean up? Odd expression for publishing garbage. Yeah, you find it all in the Bible. Yeah, in Dante and Shakespeare, I know. So get your academic ass off that high horse. I'm talking about a highly relevant piece of work, Gordon. A penetrating look at Western society that warns us where we're headed. I, I can tell you where Linda you're headed. Please with me that it's the most... Out. You want to work here? You work to my rules, Professor. Or you go back to the cloister you came from. Oh. Sure, Gordon, sure. But you are losing one of the most remarkable manuscripts... Editors that... are for editing. Presidents... Or for calling the shots. Now, you and Linda better get that straight. Andy? God, have I got something for oh, us? Oh, hi, Linda. Just let me get my caffeine chaser. Another clobbering by the boss. I am flying. Listen, last night... Now let me brace myself. All right, what happened? I got a manuscript from A.J. Yanofsky. More coffee. Love some. One coffee, black as Gordon's soul. Thanks. I read it last night. Andrew, you would not believe. I didn't know Yanofsky was still alive. Hibernating in Mexico. Uh, long winter. Twelve years. Uh, there were rumors, right? Uh-huh. He was on the lamb from the drug squad? No, um, he was murdered. No, he murdered someone. Ah, uh, he's a Nazi doctor, and he's the bastard son oh. of Greta Garbo. Who cares? He's a great writer. Oh, Linda. A.J. Yanofsky was strictly a 60s phenomenon. Who needs that stuff now, all that uh, stream of subconsciousness crap? That's my time you're knocking, Curly. I was there. And if he has started writing again, why would he send the manuscript to you? Because, uh, I, I knew him. Yeah, like we met. Hung around in Haight-Ashbury. Oh, cute little California flower children. He told me once, Linda, I'm going to write the book of hell. I'll send it to you. And 15 years later, he did. Yeah, an incredible work. A, a sort of documentary, Eddie. First-person stuff. You mean a rewrite of Dante's Inferno. Dante had a theological wet dream, for God's oh. sake. Huh. Yanovsky is, is hard-edged, relentless. Yeah, great stuff. Sex, violence, and weird religion ought to make a mint. Now, now. Oh, Gordon will love it. 
I want to get Yanofsky on the phone right away. Put them together and you clean up. Too bad about A.J. He used to be honest, at least. Andrew, you're starting to bore me. Get useful. Here's the number. Put it through for me while I check the mail, huh? Is this number his agent? No, his home in Mexico. The manuscript didn't come from an agent. Use the phone in my office. Oh, little diversion helps put in the day. can't believe I'm doing this. I'll be promoted to Linda's assistant faster than I thought. Hello. Uh, may I speak to Mr. Yanofsky, please? Tell him who wants to speak to him. He won't talk to just anybody. Oh, thanks a lot. I beg your pardon? Tell him Linda Ross. No. I see. No, there, there isn't. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Let me talk. What the hell are you doing? That was his wife. Why'd you hang up? A.J. Yanofsky died two years ago. See, si, senoras. Yes, ladies, may I serve you? I'll just have a black coffee, please. Dos cafés solo, por favor. Dos cafés solo. Very good, ladies. The coffee is just... I hope you are enjoying Mexico, Miss Ross. I am, thank you. Mrs. Yanofsky, I'm a direct person. Good. So am I. Sorry if I seem to pry, but I must know. How did your husband die? He was eaten away, Miss Ross, from the inside. When there was more outside than inside, he died in my arms, like kindling wood. And you told no one? The doctor, the undertaker. It was his wish. He wanted to keep the mystery... And I have kept it. You must have loved him very much. He needed me. Others may have needed him. I guess I was one of those once. It means nothing. Except for a man's vanity. But vanity, you know, means things that are in vain. At the end... He had only me. Yes. I wanted to ask you, did he leave any other papers? Any notes or sketches? That was all he left. Pieces. He became unable to... He could not put anything together. The drugs, you know. Were they sketches for some particular work or... Oh, no. Whatever came into his head. May I see them later? (laughs) There's nothing to see. All burnt. He told me, burn them. Those coffees so long. You like something to eat, senores, ladies? Estoy al régimen, senor. Que bonito, senora. So there was no book? No book. But the typing. You said you recognized his machine. Mm. 
all typewriters have scars. On some of the letters, he's had a crooked O, like fingerprints. The manuscript is from my husband's typewriter. Then we're getting warmer, surely. <laughs> But I sold it. I sell everything, so who knows what writer is using it now. But the handwriting, the corrections, the signature on a letter, could those be faked? What do you want me to say? That he came back from the dead? <sighs> no, I can't easily believe it. The dead do not rise again. There are mediums who say that they can take dictation from the spirit world. Have you experienced... They take the credit, no? Forgive me, but uh, such people work for money. If the Book of Hell gets published, Mrs. Yanofsky, the money will come to you. Would you object to that? I would not personally object, no. But that book will never be published. Oh? You'd object on behalf of your husband? Why should I? Obviously, he is trying to get it published. Do you really believe that? I believe only that life is mysterious. Why do you think the Book of Hell... It will, will never be published. Because it is probably true. I don't like the typeface, Pete. And the paper stock looks flimsy. <laughs> you get what you pay for, Gordon. You used to make better-looking books. And you used to have a better class of writers. You want to upgrade the materials? Fine. But I'll have to upgrade the price. And we both know I can't afford it. <laughs> Buckram binding. A thing of the past. Now it's paperbacks run off a newsprint. Hmm. We go back a long way, Pete. Yeah, sure do. My old man was your dad's printer. I, um... I hate asking for credit, Pete, but, uh... I'm in a bit of a jam. Could you carry me for six months? Sure, Gordon. No sweat. All I need is one bestseller. Paperback rights in six figures. Maybe a film option. Yep. Just one blockbuster. Where are you going to find it, Gordon? Gordon? What do you want, Andy? Alinda just phoned from New York. Yeah? Not a single major publisher has been offered a Yanofsky manuscript in 12 years. What? How many people know about the Book of Hell? You and me and Linda. None of the secretaries? I don't think so. No letters, no calls. Where's the manuscript now? Did she leave it with you? And no. I took it with her. Just ran out, flagged a cab, and took her chances. Well, the minute she gets back, have a photocopy made. No, you better make it yourself. We can't take chances. Gordon, you sound as if you're going to buy it, and you haven't even read it. Well, you haven't read it either. Why so superior? The notion of a real hell went out with the Flat Earth Society. Even the church calls it a figure of speech. We'd be the laughingstock of the scientific community. Weird religion makes lots of money, remember? Oh, I just don't follow you. 
You turn down a major work on the human condition and latch onto a hokey piece of pulp about hell. I have an open mind. You've got an open cash register. Is anybody in a position to sue us? What? Sue? Can anyone stand up in court and call the writer a liar? Call the whole thing a hoax? If that's all that matters to me. Now listen. Nobody's to find out about this book. No one. When Linda gets back tomorrow, it's not to be discussed in this office. Why the massive security? We'll meet at my place or on a park bench if we have to, but not here. Yanofsky lived his whole life in secrecy. Enhanced his charisma, I and guess. secrecy, without the media messing things up, can buy us three months' lead time. The Book of Hell just might be our salvation. I keep telling you, Gordon, Nanofsky's wife doesn't want a contract. She's not a businesswoman. A businesswoman, for God's sake. Is there a contradiction in terms? She's his executor, isn't she? He didn't leave the book. It's just been written. Oh, sure. Smuggled out of hell in a diplomatic pouch. I can only tell you that's what Mrs. Yanofsky believes. Well, that settles one thing. I don't have to pay any royalties. If there's no copyright, we could even rewrite the damn thing. What? Fake the fake. Not when you've read it, Gordon, you won't. I'm trying to get my hands on it. Where's Andy with that bloody Xerox? You should be back any minute from the office. I want to read it at home tonight. If this is a fake, it may be harder to explain a hoax than... I mean, there... There are forces beyond... Oh, I don't know what I mean. So I gather. His wife made it all seem completely mysterious. Am I getting you straight? Oh, I need to get away from... To get some perspective. All this documentary eyewitness stuff? You trying to tell me there are pens and typewriters in hell and paper that doesn't burn and a post office? Well, the post office, even you could believe. Yeah, it's probably the model for our mail service. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Gordon, is that the usual marks of a fake are just not there. The Book of Hell isn't even a copy of Yanofsky's old style. What about the detective stuff, the, the machine? Sure, it's his old typewriter, but... God knows who might have picked it up in a flea market. And the handwriting. How could a phony have forged it so meticulously, and why? Forgery is even less likely than... Oh, come on, Linda. Feminine fantasy isn't going to solve anything. Oh, bull. So let's be logical. Either Yanofsky's still alive... I've told you, he died in his wife's arms. Or he's dead, she says. Were there any witnesses? I've seen the grave. You didn't dig him up, though? No, I didn't dig him up. Then it's unproven. As the Scots say. But as I started to say, either he's still alive or it's got to be a fake. Gordon! Oh, here he comes like Roger Bannister. Andy, don't drop that briefcase. Listen, I've been all around the park three times. Mm. Let's synchronize directions next time. Sure, sure, sure. Meanwhile, I just want to read the damn manuscript before I bet my life on it. You got the Xerox? Listen, I couldn't. I, I, Give me the briefcase, Andy. This is the original. Where's the copy, for God's sake? I'm trying to tell you. It won't Xerox. What are you talking about? I tried it on three different machines, and there's something weird. Uh, the sheets all come out blank. Blank. 
Their knowledge of human anatomy is so complete that the worst tortures on earth cannot compare with the exquisite pain they inflict. That's enough. Okay, okay play it back, Andy. That's bloody odd. Check the machine again. There's got to be an answer. Yeah, I'll test it again. One, two, three, Apple Baker Charlie. Testing. One, two, three, Apple Baker Charlie. Testing. The Book of Hell won't photograph. And it won't record. Where does that leave us? The ink could be a chemical gimmick. Wouldn't zero was your voice reading, Linda? I didn't take either. Yeah. So the mystery's in Yanofsky's words. There are more things in heaven and earth. Oh, say scholarship, Professor. Maybe if we try it again. We came all the way out to my place to read the book of hell, so let's get on with it. Copies or no copies? Pick up where you left off, Linda. The use of microorganisms, first to stimulate the frontal cortex of the brain, then to frustrate neurohormonal responses, sets up an alternating swing between hope and despair... One group of microbes arouses expectation in the control center, while another renders the receptor muscles unable to comply. These positive and negative forces locked inside care no more about their battleground than ravaging armies on Earth. You are, I am, their Hiroshima. On my second day in Ward 7... Go on. What hideous oh. torture. Get yourself another whiskey. Go on, Linda. On my second day in Ward 7, they began the injections. The first injection induced a high far beyond any I had ever experienced on Earth. It was as if I were being carried to the top of a demonic roller coaster and forced to look far below at the twisting track of terrors. The second injection plunged me down into an abyss. I thought frantically of escape, only to realize what a trap I was caught in. There was no escape from this insane cross-wiring. I was my own torturer. Shall I go on? Makes a crazy kind of sense. Like a report from a madhouse. I'll take it on his own terms if you can accept them. A day, for example, is his metaphor. Metaphors you play with in our world. Look, all he does is talk about physical suffering, mental suffering. Exactly. In hell, you don't have a body or a mind. For God's sake, you have a soul, a lost one. How do you know, Gordon? You're getting awfully metaphysical. Well, to come back down to earth, I know when I hear a stoned nut describing hell from his hacienda in Mexico, he's got one hell of an imagination, that's all. That is not all, Gordon. Dig deeper. If he's got a body and a mind, he's not dead. And the last time I heard, you had to be dead to go to hell. For what it's worth, he explains that. Well, I for one can't wait to hear it. I was then confined in a small cubicle made of what appeared to be mirrors. Though I knew I was dead, the excruciating pain contradicted me. Yet search as I might in the mirrors, there was nothing there. Thus, they drive home their most chilling lesson in damnation. If we do not exist, we must invent ourselves. 
With no body or mind left to torture, the soul must torture itself by recreating body and mind out of remembered fragments. I was to program my own inferno. Good God. Well, he certainly lost his mind. Listen. In effect, my soul was a monstrous cancer, continually creating within itself the means of my destruction. A lost soul is one that no longer controls its own circuitry. The signal apparatus has been taken over by the enemy, which uses it to destroy me, to destroy you. The sensation is like spontaneous combustion. Ah, I oh. should have taken it off the hook. Oh, let it ring. And you take a message, would you? And leave it off the hook? Yeah, okay, okay, I'll get it. Go on, Linda. Go on. It is this control of the circuitry, this ability to send phantom signals to real bodies through their remembered images, like pins stuck in a doll, that gives hell its power on earth. Hell is not a place, but a system for disrupting the plans of God. Gordon, that was the police. Our warehouse just went up in flames. You'll never get near it, Mr. McIntosh. Can you save anything? Uh, what isn't already burned will be soaked. Now get that ladder out of there. Over to the right. My whole life's work. What a bloody mess. At least we moved the office downtown. Didn't lose everything. Well, what can we do without stock? Without books to sell? Well, there's insurance, isn't there? Insurance. Andy, that's hardly a consolation. Don't push your luck, Andy. I've been pushing mine. Read her in the other way. Let's go. Captain? Yes, Mr. McIntosh. Anything I can do for you? Any idea what started it? Well, a little early to tell. Uh, faulty wiring, maybe. No way. Completely rewired last year. Any sign of arson, Captain? Well, not so far, but that's unofficial. There has to be a cause. Yeah, books, you know, uh, soak up moisture. Yeah, then heat sometimes. Uh, could have been spontaneous combustion, uh, an act of God. Gordon, you still want to go ahead with the Book of Hell? I don't know. What else have we got to push? Half a dozen books in the fall list that just might ease us gracefully downhill to bankruptcy. But why should we give up on the one sensational manuscript that might get us back in the race? You still think the warehouse fire was a coincidence? Linda... You are a lovely lady, an intelligent person, and a great editor. In that order? But you will never make me believe in ghosts. Gordon, you're beginning to protest too much. Extrasensory perception might be okay if we completely explored the five senses we already know about. You need a license to For preach God's in this sake, park, don't you know? try to convert me to diabolism. And obviously, the Book of Hell didn't do that. Not what I've heard so far. I'm the only one who never gets to read it through. Where is it now? Locked in my office. Well, let's keep it there. So long as I'm legally clear as publisher, I don't give a damn who wrote it or where it came from. We sort of gathered that. A production like this has to be played very carefully, <laughs> kept under heavy wraps at just the right moments, and published with all the hype we can muster. 
And what about the cold, hard looks in retrospect? Backlash? Or maybe just knowing grins all over the media. By that time, we'll be heavily into foreign sales, translations, film rights, all bundle. Laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, by then, even the fire will seem like a godsend, like a brilliant publicity stunt. Oh, Gordon, ever heard of hubris? Hubris is contempt for God, Professor. I am prepared to show a little contempt for the devil. That's all very daring, Gordon. But how are you going to print a facsimile of the Book of Hell if it won't photograph? That reminds me. Gotta get back to the office and talk to Pete. He'll have to set the whole manuscript in type. When it's finally on press, I just hope it'll print. Sure, Gordon. I don't see why not. If you got trouble getting photostats, we could set a linotype and run it off letterpress. I just have to work out the costs. Right, hold on a sec. Hey, Bill! What's that Clayton doing on the conveyor belt? It'll wreck the whole run! You guys want to go somewhere for a cup of coffee? Oh, I hate chicory. And I hate funerals. You didn't have to go to his funeral, did you? I felt responsible somehow. You? What about me? The book of hell hadn't been sent to me in the well, first cut place. Cut it out, I... both of you. It's nobody's fault. These things happen. Something just comes up with your number on it. So, what do we do now? Well, we can get another printer. It's just a matter of booking press time. Not if word of the book gets out. No one would touch it with a ten-foot pole. They'd say it was jinxed. I hate to rub it in, but I was against it from the start. Come on, Andy. You're blue hot and cold the whole time. I was skeptical at first, sure, but when drastic things began to Where happen... Where is I... the book of hell? Is it still locked up in your office, Linda? It's in my briefcase. Gordon, I if want you... to see it. Gordon, please. I've got let... to make the decision back at the office. I haven't had the damn book in my hands yet. My guest, Gordon. The Book of Hell by A.J. Yanofsky. Thanks. Now, let's see what a monstrous fake feels like. Huh. There's some sort of... sort of... smell. Musty... destroyed? Because Yanofsky dared to write it. 
Can you imagine the ghastly things they'll do to him now? Linda. We've both read the Book of Hell. We're the only ones... who know. What will they do to us? have just heard The Book of Hell by Maver Moore. Featured in tonight's cast were Bud Neff as Gordon, Nani Griffin as Linda, and Patrick Young as Andy, with Lynn Derrigan as Mrs. Yanofsky, Hugh Webster as Pete, and Alan Doremus as the fireman and the waiter. Our recording engineer is John Jessup, with sound effects by Bill Robinson. Our production assistant is Nina Callahan, and the series story editor is Earl Toppings. Nightfall is produced and directed for CBC Radio by Bill Howell. And that wraps up another episode of EMZT Radio. This is Bane on solo mission again. Uh, I hope my poor sister gets better soon because she needs to go back to work, unfortunately. And uh, I sure could use her for Sinister Sisters next time. We're waiting to hear about Little Boom Doom's uh, medical condition. We're waiting to uh, see the allergist, because that's what he needs to go do. And so far, they think he's allergic to cats. And we have three cats, and we're not getting rid of them. I'm sorry. (laughs) MJ should be back after he has settled uh, moving to his new place. And it looks like Sarah's campaign for Create Your Killer is wrapping up, and she made a little under $900, And MJ and I were the first and fourth backers, and we can say that proudly. Uh, Be sure to keep an eye out or go to Indiegogo.com, look for Create Your Killer, and see if she's changed the goal. Maybe they do, uh, sometimes they do uh, a continuing goal that they can't give out any more perks, but they can still take donations for their project. So check that out and give, give, give while you can because Sarah is a genius when it comes to these films and we believe in her. Uh, Be sure to check out all of EMZT Radio's links on our Podbean page and do like, share, subscribe, EMZT Radio. We are even on Spotify now, people. Spotify! And do give a little if you can so it can help us continue with our podcast and hopefully get new equipment buy some new music and hopefully we want we would like to start traveling to conventions to get emzt radio more out to the public so we're at the start of december the last month before the new year of 2019 and we have some plans for emzt in the new year And do stay tuned for another episode of EMZT Radio. All right, people, let's move like we've got a purpose. Affirmative. Affirmative.